0: So the series that we're in is called Peace. And it's called Unlocking New Levels of It. And I know that all of us in one way or another are always looking to have peace. And sometimes we, we go to drastic lengths to experience it. Uh, one of those drastic things that we can sometimes do is we cut people out of our life because we say, this person is too chaotic. The situation is dragging me down. I'm just going to you know, stop interacting with them. Stop communicating. I'm going to cut this person out of my life just so that I can restore peace. Sometimes we move jobs. Sometimes we take a break from our jobs. Sometimes we take leaves of absences from entire life situations because we just realize that we can't put up with it anymore. We're looking for peace. We're looking for peace and we're trying to achieve it. And one of the things that I've often seen people struggle with, especially if they're believers in God and they're followers of Jesus, is that they sometimes really struggle with this wrong mental health myth, that somehow Christians shouldn't be struggling with mental health. And I feel like that's the first thing we really need to address. I, I, I don't know about you, but I've, I've needed therapy in my life. Doesn't it show? <laughs> Doesn't it? Like, it totally makes sense, right? Just meet me for a moment and you guess, this guy needs more, uh, it's, <laughs> it's obvious. But, but I really did need it. I really needed to work on a lot of things and, and I needed guidance in being able to do that. I needed someone to not make me feel embarrassed by the fact that I needed help in my mental life and that I needed to change behaviors that there were things that were holding me back that had really brought more trauma than I had realized and and I needed someone to help me to work through those things I needed to understand why I was the way that I was and 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 there's a work that God does without question when we give ourselves over to him but we also need to understand that there is this stigma that's associated with mental health that we sometimes feel, I shouldn't be struggling with this. Somehow God should just be enough. My relationship with Jesus should be just everything that I need. And if you've been struggling with that, I want you to know that that's just a, a lie from the devil. It's not anything that you should be basing your life upon. And the second thing that I sometimes struggled with in my own understanding of the scriptures that somehow God didn't care about our mental health. And and, and I began to wonder sometimes why we were struggling so pervasively in this area. It seemed like a lot of people were broken, but when they went to God for restoration, and when they went for him to once again make them beautiful in their mind and in their spirit and and in their will and in their emotions and in their body, that that there was something wrong with the way that they were practicing their faith that was allowing them to stay broken. That it wasn't just the fact that they weren't doing it right, but almost like God didn't care enough to work in someone's life, specifically in the area, where they were struggling, and yet there is someone in the Bible, and you've probably never heard of him, and it's, and it's not unusual because he isn't mentioned a ton, but he is someone that is so important to understanding this topic today, because as we talk about having peace of mind, this individual he was someone who was leading the people of God into a place of worship. And Heman was someone that wrote Psalm 88. And I want us to read that psalm together. And I want you to see how the psalmist, the person who is leading people into the presence of God, is experiencing some serious mental health issues. And it starts with verse 1, and it says, O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out to you by day, and I come to you at night. Now hear my prayer. Listen to my cry. For my life is just full of troubles, and death draws near. I am as good as dead, like a strong man with no strength left. They have left me among the dead and I lie like a corpse in a grave. I am forgotten, cut off from your care and you have thrown me into the lowest pit, into the darkest depths. Your anger weighs me down With wave after wave, you have engulfed me. You have driven my friends away. By making me repulsive to them, I am in a trap with no way of escape. My eyes are blinded by my tears. Each day, I beg for your help, O Lord. I lift my hands to you for mercy. Are your wonderful deeds of any use to the dead? Do the dead rise up and praise you? Can those in the grave declare your unfailing love? Can they proclaim your faithfulness in the place of destruction? Can the darkness speak of your wonderful deeds? Can anyone in the land of forgetfulness talk about your righteousness? O Lord, I cry out to you, and I will keep on pleading day by day. O Lord, why do you reject me? Why do you turn your face from me? I have been sick and close to death since my youth. I stand helpless and desperate before your terrors. Your fierce anger has overwhelmed me, and your terrors, they have paralyzed me. They swirl around me like floodwaters all day long, and they have engulfed me completely. You have taken away my companions and loved ones, and darkness is my closest friend. And out of all the Psalms that he was responsible for writing, this is the only one that made it into the sacred scriptures. The one that revealed his mental health. The one that exposed the brokenness that he was living. Now, the thing about Heman is that he can sometimes be confused with our childhood hero, also known as He master of the universe. Has anyone ever made that mistake? Between He Man and Heman? No? Just me? When I read that in the Bible, my mind just kept picturing this guy. Every time. Did anybody ever grow up watching He Man? No, you're not that old. So, moving on, or you just had cables. <laughs> he Man was actually the Ezraite. This is what he looked like. And when we think of someone who was doing worship, this is the man that we're talking about. And you know what? I want to give you some, some insight and some background on who this guy was. In the Bible, he's described as the son of Joel, but more importantly, you probably know him as the grandson of Samuel. And Samuel was the last prophet, the one who was the prophet for the two kings of israel both king saul and king david and so he comes from a lineage of prophecy and so when you think of him he is someone who's also described in the scriptures of having great wisdom and having served solomon his entire life in fact when they talk about the people in the world who had the greatest and the highest level of wisdom, there was Solomon. And then the Bible describes someone by the name of Ethan. And then the third person is actually Haman. And it makes you wonder, how can you be this distinguished, come from a a lineage of such faith, to have such favor, to have such position and authority and to be so close to God that you lead an entire nation into worship and you have mental health issues. I, I need us to understand this because it, it's for many of us here, we're kind of like shocked and surprised by this. I mean, this guy was so incredibly talented that he had musical ability and gifts. That he's, he's mentioned as, as, as one of, of the greatest psalmists ever in the scriptures. This guy was committed to his family and to parenting. He's described as being an incredible father and husband in the scriptures. To the point where he had uh, 14 male children. God had blessed him so much that he just kept giving him kids because they were making such an incredible difference in the kingdom of God. And that's like noted in the scripture. God wanted this man to keep fathering children. He wanted him to be someone who would have influence that way. And when the Ark of the Covenant was taken into captivity and when it was finally brought back, guess who was the one who was leading the people in worship for the return of the Ark of the Covenant, it was Haman. is that beautiful? And yet, he's broken. There's something not right with him. And when we think of Psalm 88, we think of him worshiping as a form of counseling for himself. You know, this psalm makes it in the scriptures because it isn't just a form of counseling for himself. It's a form of counseling for his people. If ever we see ourselves going through a rough time and a difficult moment, and if we feel like we're at some moment just abandoned by God and feel like we're forsaken by Him, we can read Psalm 88 and think of Hemman and think about how God used this man to say these words when he was struggling the most so that we could identify with our own struggles in our own life and know that if God didn't give up on Hemman, He hasn't given up on us. And when we think of the impact that worship has, I, I want us to see that many times we're looking for peace, but we're not understanding that, that one of the ways that we can attain peace is actually through worship. And I, I know that we listen to, to music. I know that we have songs that are our go-to. We have just songs, a collection of them, of of, of music that we use for different things. And when I was in school, I, I, and, and all the way through to my master's, I remember I, I needed to listen to, to certain music that just helped me as I was studying. And in the same way that when I found myself just being in a dark place or just feeling empty or feeling far from God, I would turn to, to, to certain songs that would make me listen to the heartbeat of God again and and put me in the right frame of mind and just change my perspective of my circumstances and and just believe in a way that I wasn't able to do without the help of the worship that I was listening to. And and, and over the years, I've, I've maintained this practice because I realized that I need to have my life Surrounded by worship. And, and when I worship, it brings a measure of peace like nothing else. Like you, I sometimes don't like the dreams I'm having. Like you, sometimes I am overwhelmed by the anxiety and the worry of this life. Like you, I am troubled in my mind and in my spirit. And there are times when the best thing that I can do to change that is to listen to worship music and I'll tell you why because when we worship it invites the presence of God and the presence of God is holiness and holiness ushers in the healing that we need for the moment that we're in see if if I'm broken I need health I need to be made whole And the only way that I can experience that holiness is is by changing the atmosphere that I'm living and experiencing in the moment. And and I, I love the fact that there's science behind this as well. Because getting help isn't a sign of weakness. What it is, is it's a sign of wisdom. And if Haman can be the third wisest person in the kingdom of Solomon... That we can trust God that he will be wise for us, even as we have read through Psalm 88 and how important worship is. I want us to take a look at this research that was done not long ago. And it's the neurophysiological benefits of worship. It's the worship and the amygdala and the hyperactive, Activation also has measurable psychic effects. Measurable decreases, look at this, in depression, anxiety, chronic pain, and post-traumatic stress. They have been identified and can be traced back to one daily action, worship. And if you don't think it's, possible, then you need to put this to the test and prove it wrong. You need to give it a chance and an opportunity for it to do more than maybe anything else has ever done in your life. Because there's something about understanding this that helps us to understand what needs to happen next. Because this is what happens in worship. In Psalm 95, verse 6, look at what it says here. It says, come, let us worship. And then the key word here is bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. You see, when you worship, what you are doing is that you are bowing down, you are surrendering, you are giving up control and you're allowing God to have it instead. You are surrendering power to God in saying, you are the maker. You're the creator. You're the one who can make the difference because you are the difference maker. And you are the difference maker, not only in my mind, but in my heart and in my life. You're the difference maker in all the circumstances of my life. In Isaiah 26, verse three, it says, you will keep in perfect peace All who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. And the word fixed in this verse is samak. And in the original language, samak means my mind should be propped on God. It means. I will lean upon, it means I will rest myself upon, it means I will be upheld by and sustained by. And so when we see the word fixed upon, that's the word samak. And samak means this. And what it does is that it gives us insight into what we need to understand when this word appears also elsewhere in the scriptures. And so there's this backstory in 2 Kings chapter 18 and in 2 Chronicles chapter 32. And it's a story of Hezekiah. And Hezekiah was a godly king. He was the kind of king that turned to his people and said, we will not trust in anyone or anything other than God. And he tore down all the idolatrous altars across the nation, and he turned his people back to the worship of God in Jerusalem. And when he did this, he did it in a manner in which every person that was in this story would understand that even though the Assyrians were a greater nation, and the Assyrians uh, just historically were what we would today look at and see um, uh, Iran, uh, Iraq, we would see Turkey, we would see Syria. So all these nations, imagine them being one people, and they were called the Assyrians. And they were the greatest nation on earth. They had the most powerful, powerful army, and no one was able to stand before them. And so when they came up against small Israel, this leader of theirs, Sennacherib, He comes before them and he says, you're a fool to put your trust in God. And then he actually says it this way. Let's look at Isaiah um, 36 verses four and six. It says, then the Assyrian king's chief of staff, this is uh, Sennacherib. He told them to give this message to Hezekiah. And he says, this is what the great king of Assyria says. He says, what are you trusting in that makes you so confident? Now, remember the word Samak. because it's here again. And and now, Samak means, what are you leaning upon? What are you propping up your faith on? And he says, there's no way that you can do this. So let's go back to the verse. And he says in verse 4, this is part of 4, this is what the great king of Assyria, you're just messing with me now, bro. What are you trusting in that makes you so confident? And then verse five, do you think that mere words can substitute, look at this, for military skill and strength? Because he went and encouraged the people. He went and told them to worship God. And then who are you counting on? There's the word again. There's the psalm And then he says that you have rebelled against me. This is the Assyrian king. And then, in verse 6, it says, on Egypt? He says, you think you can make an ally with Egypt? It will be like a reed, look at this, that splinters beneath your weight and pierces your hand. Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, is completely unreliable. And he says something here that if you put your weight on it, it's actually going to do what? It's going to harm you. And so what we need to understand that there's some things in this life that when we lean on them, instead of it healing us, it actually harms us. And the story here is being told so that we understand the difference between lying and relying on and leaning upon something that can harm us versus something that Can heal us. And so if I rely and lean on my own strength, if I rely on my own resources, if I rely on my own allies, then the very things that I am leaning on for strength will actually harm me. And I know that there's safety in the counsel of many. I know that we need community. I know that we need to look for help and to lean on others. But when we lean on those things more than God, it is then that they can harm us. When they become our everything, then we end up with nothing. You see, that's what God is trying to make sure that we avoid. So when we worship God, we are putting our focus on something that is greater that will not disappoint us. We can lean on God. He can prop us up. He can sustain us. He can do all the things that we need when we need it. And the only one that I know that I can saw Mac on is always Jesus. I can always lean on him. I can always lean on him and be secure. And that's why Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 says this. You must love the Lord, your God, and you must do it with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. The word all is there intentionally. Because if we don't at this, if we don't lean completely on God in this manner, we cannot have our mental health restored and have the peace of mind that God wants us to have. You see, Hezekiah stood firm. And even though the Assyrians were saying, who are you going to lean on, his answer to the person who was speaking was this. He says, why don't you speak to me in your language? Stop speaking to me in a language that the people on the wall can understand. Because I don't want them to hear this negative message and it disrupt their mental health and then the Assyrian chief of staff says what do you think king that this message is just for you no this message is for you and for all of your people that there is no one to lean on there is no one to resist us you will lose you might as well give up now. And he challenges him, and he says, if you can find 2,000 men to ride the horses that I'm willing to give you, my smallest army can still defeat you. That's how confident he was. But Hezekiah stood firm because he wasn't leaning on horses and chariots. He wasn't leaning on the size of the army. He wasn't leaning on the abilities and the resources and the allies and the networks that he had. Even if Egypt wasn't going to come and fight alongside him, it didn't matter because he had God all along. And he put his trust in God. He did not lean on a reed that would harm him. He leaned on the reed that the scriptures talk about that is actually Jesus Christ, a reed that bends but never breaks. You see, Jesus is the one that we can lean on, but we have to do it with all of us. And you see, when we put anyone or anything more important above God, then we are leaning on something that can harm us. But what God says, I want you to lean on me because I am the one that can heal you. And even when we're struggling in our mental health, just like Hammond did, God is saying, you can tell others. You can bring that out into the open. It was a song that was worshiped by an entire nation. It's in the sacred scriptures to this day. His brokenness known, seen, sung and heard for generations. People are still talking about the darkest moment in heaven's life. And today we can all say that no matter how dark our moment has been, no matter how dark our mind has been, no matter how dark we think we are, far from the light that is Jesus Christ, he can still tell us right now to lean on him, as we worship him with all of our heart, with all of our mind, and with all of our soul. Can we say amen to that? God bless you guys. And so, Father, I want to thank you for every person here, and I want to ask you to do something for all of us. Would you guard our hearts and minds from the evil one, from the darkness of this world and this life? Would you restore our mental health as we lean on you and only on you and nothing else more than this, Lord, you tell us how we have to put you first. And I want you, God, to just change the atmosphere in our circumstances as we would worship you, as we would put our focus and our attention on you, as we would lean on you. Thank you for what we have learned today and for how it can help us and how we can also experience peace through worship. And we pray this now in the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only he can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening and God bless you immensely.